This is the Blood Doctor Show. On a Tuesday, an angry fucking Tuesday, where I am mad. And I am very mad specifically at one Juwan Howard for Michigan exiting the tournament early against a UCLA team that essentially had no business playing against them. Now, I want to be very clear before I go into this. I love Juwan Howard as a coach. I think that he is great for the Michigan program. I think that he has the team on the right track. I fully understand that with Isaiah Livers being out, that the expectations for Michigan need to be adjusted. I understand all of those things. I do truly get it. I really do. And in no way is anything I'm saying trying to undermine Juwan Howard as a coach or to imply that Juwan Howard should not be the coach of this team. So I just want to be very clear about that up front. I love Juwan Howard as a Michigan coach, and I think that he should be here a long time. But that does not mean that he did a good job in this game because he fucking did it. And some of the things that infuriate me are season-long things that will infuriate you about the way that this Michigan team plays. But some of them were adjustments that literally any of us sitting at home on our fucking couches could see needed to be made that the team, the coaching team, the coaching staff, whatever the fuck they are, couldn't make those adjustments. And it's fucking frustrating to sit there as a fan and watch things that are happening. And it's very clear what needs to be done and they won't do it. And in this game, Michigan blew it against a team that for the whole thing about, well, Isaiah Livers is out. So what? You're playing a number 11 seed. A number 11 seed whose best player rolled their ankle during the game. Now, I'm not saying I hate injuries. I hate injuries for every team. Injuries suck. I want every team to compete at top strength. But if you're going to sit here and bitch at me about Isaiah Livers, then what about the fact that Juzang literally rolled his ankle in the game? Don't fucking talk to me about the injuries on your team when the best player on the other team got hurt mid-game. Okay? Don't say that. And yes, Juzang came back out. He wasn't as effective after coming back in, though. Okay? So... You know, don't sit here and tell me about your injuries. The other team has injuries. Everyone's dealt with COVID. Everyone's dealt with the weird season. I don't want to fucking hear about that shit. You're not a number one seed because of one player. This team is deep. This team is good. And I just, I'm just, I'm so frustrated right now because I literally, I was going to talk about a bunch of good things about what I loved about this Michigan team, why it was so exciting. I wanted to sit here and talk about how exciting it was for me as a fan to potentially have Michigan and Arizona winning national championships in basketball in the same year in the NCAA tournament. And 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 Michigan just completely blew all of that against a team that really had no business being there. And that's no disrespect to UCLA, but UCLA is not better than Michigan. They're a number 11 seed for a reason. And this is just so... I'm just, I'm really mad and I'm really upset because there were a few things that, that just, okay, well, let's just, let's dive into the specifics of things that pissed me off that were very clear about why they lost this game. Number one, Johnny Juzang went off to start this game. Okay. It wasn't like late and it wasn't overtime. The dude was balling to start the game. The whole of UCLA was one of 11 to start and he was four for six. So you should fucking know the dude who's going to cause the damage. You should be able to identify that shit really early on when the whole team sucks and only one guy is killing it. And Michigan played their, you know, man to man switching defense, basically all game. And there were really no adjustments. I mean, you know, who defended Juzang 
really defended on the possession and, again, what they were doing because UCLA did every single thing that they could to get Juzang open. I mean, UCLA is using Juzang as a screener with the point guard to get him open off a pick and pop. They are running multiple double screens with him running around the baseline to get him open coming around. I mean, UCLA was doing every single thing they could to get their best player open, okay? And Michigan's reaction to this was to play man-to-man switching defense. I saw no zone. They didn't double him a single fucking time. My stream cut out a couple times, so maybe here and there there were some changes, but I I watched basically all of this game, and I just at no point did Michigan say, okay, this guy is the guy who's killing us, and we need to adjust every single thing that's going on to stop him. It's very simple to double a guy. That doesn't mean you have to double him every possession. It doesn't mean that you have to... Um, put your best two defenders on him. You just have to change the defense when he's killing it. I mean, look at what look at what UCLA did. When Michigan was getting buckets inside nonstop, UCLA at one point was triple teaming. I think it was Davis. I think they triple teamed Davis at one point to prevent the to prevent an inside bucket. And he tried to pass out of the triple team and threw the ball away to a fourth defender who wasn't even part of the triple team. He couldn't even pass out of it. Because UCLA simply identified they're not going to be able to do anything in terms of advanced passing, and they attacked. And Juzang, a good player, today looked like a fucking superstar. But seriously, think about this for a moment. Think about this. This dude averaged 1.6 assists per game this season, okay? 15 points and 1.6 assists. This is very clear. He's a scorer, not a playmaker. So double-team him. Make him pass. Force him to do things with the ball that he's not necessarily comfortable with. Make him a playmaker. Don't fucking just let him shoot one-on-one over and over. And don't just switch the defender and say, well, maybe this time it'll work. The dude roasted everyone one-on-one. And Michigan changed nothing and just kept throwing one-on-one. Well, we'll switch. We'll switch. We'll switch. There's no zone, okay? There was no packing the paint. There was no, we're going to force him to shoot from outside because we're going to trap. There was none of it. Man-to-man switching defense every single fucking possession, and they just let this guy beat him. They just let this guy beat them on their own. I'm I'm just, I'm mad. Because the kids played their heart out. And they did what they were told to do. Like, they didn't do anything wrong. The defense wasn't even terrible. Juzang played an incredible game, and he just shot over them multiple times. Great. But the simple fact of the matter is, is that if a dude is playing that well, you've got to force the ball out of his hands. And that's on the head coach. That's on the staff to recognize this. And somehow this dude killing them from the fucking outset of the game didn't make them adjust anything. There were no significant halftime adjustments. It was literally, it was the way that Mike Budenholzer coaches. We think that statistically, over the course of the game, we'll win. That's just exactly what it was. They didn't deviate from anything that they wanted to do. They didn't, they didn't change. I just, I I just, I, I, I'm just sitting here watching this dude kill them on every single fucking possession. And yes, he wasn't as effective after he hurt himself, but it just still like, he was so good for the whole game. And they made no attempt to, like they didn't reorient their defense around stopping this dude. They just played their defense. And like, I respect the idea of we're going to do our thing and we're not going to let you get us out of it. I get that. I understand that. That's like a fundamental principle of Bill Belichick. Okay. I understand the concept, but like 
It's not your thing on the line, man. It's these kids' season on the line. When it's Bill Belichick and everyone's making millions of dollars and all that shit, like, you know, whatever. You know, everyone gets paid to be there. But these kids, they only get so many chances to do this. And let's consider the fact that, you know, we just lost a tournament last year. And so when you're so fucking stubborn that you won't make an adjustment, like, come on, man. How are you not doubling this kid? And I understand it's difficult because the way that UCLA was using Juzang, again, it makes it more difficult to double him, right? Again, they used him as a screener. They ran him off screens. They used him, they used him in pick and roll a couple of times. They did, they did, UCLA used him in a myriad of ways to get him open. And I understand that that makes it difficult, but it doesn't change the fact that you should have trap, double team, zone, and, you know, matchup zone. You should have all those things in your toolkit for these situations. I understand that in the NCAA, we have limited training time and limited practice and we have to fall. I understand all of that. But like also, this is part of the job is preparing these kids for this situation. And Michigan was wholly unprepared to deal with one kid doing everything. One man scoring all the buckets. Michigan was wholly unprepared for that because there was no... They, they weren't, again, I'm not, I hate to continue to say the same things and harp on it, but it's just true. There's no doubling. There's no matchup zone. There's nothing but switching and hoping that the next man is tall enough to block his shot. That's literally all it was. And I just, I'm frustrated as hell because I think that literally any one of us, like, I don't think I'm saying anything that anyone else isn't saying. I don't think that I'm reinventing the wheel here, and I don't think that there are any Michigan fans that watch this game that are not saying the same thing. And I don't think that I'm saying anything. I don't think any of this is hot takey. I don't think any of this is over the line. I think that Michigan did a bad job of adjusting to everything that what UCLA was doing. A bad job in every phase. Again, I understand. It's like, well, this is how we play. But... (laughs) Sometimes how you play isn't working. Like, okay, I know that this is not a relatable example completely because you have more time and all these things, but like, let's look at what Miami did last year in the playoffs in the bubble against the Bucks. The defense that Miami played is not the defense that they played like every single game of the season. They specifically reoriented their defense around stopping Giannis, right? Job one was we're going to form a wall in the paint. We're not going to let Giannis get to the rim. We're going to force him to make bad passes in midair, and we're going to make the other Bucks players beat us from deep. And if they hit, you know, so many threes per game and we lose, then we lose. But Miami's plan was very simple and very clear. We're going to stop Giannis from getting to the rim. And there were literally, you can go back and look, there's literally possessions where like three dudes are just standing together in the lane right in front of Giannis. And that's like Miami shaped every single thing they were doing around the fact that they were playing a two-time MVP who's a wrecking ball going to the rim. Because adjustments are necessary. And I understand, again, that's a playoff series. You have more time. It's the NBA. I get all of that. But that's an incredibly complicated adjustment against a two-time MVP. What we're talking about here is double-teaming a kid who's hot in a college basketball game. We can't adjust our defense to double-team someone. We can't adjust to trap every time he's got the ball high. We can't adjust the way we defend the pick and roll when he's screening. Like, I just, and you know what? 
maybe we'll go back and watch the film and maybe we'll see that there were more adjustments made in terms of who was defending what on the pick and roll, how those rotations occurred. You have to go back and watch the film. This is an instant reaction. I understand that. And I, and so I, so I, I will acknowledge that there's some possibility that I, that it was more difficult to see the adjustments. I, I get that, but it doesn't change the fact that there were multiple adjustments that could have been made that weren't despite the game continuing to go the same way. And some of those adjustments were actually on offense, mostly focused on defense so far. But, and again, I know that some of this is how Michigan plays. So I understand that, you know, there will be people sitting here go, well, you haven't watched the team. This Yes, I have. I understand. I understand that some of this is just how the team plays and this is how they want to play, but that's not always how it works. But like part of being a coach and part of especially being a great coach is recognizing when what you want to do is not going in the way that you want. Part of being a great coach is being able to adapt on the fly. And while I think that Juwan Howard is going to be a great coach, and I do, I think that this was a poor showing of adapting on the fly. And especially on offense. Michigan wanted to play through their bigs all game, which is very clear because they were passing to the bigs all game constantly. Every single pick and roll action, and I tweeted at one point, like, have they even run a single pick and roll? Of course they run a pick and roll. But every single pick and roll action they ran resulted in their guard standing above the three-point line waiting for the big to get the seal. There was literally no attacking from the guards, like, barely at all. And I understand that that's not necessarily what they're trying to do and blah, 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 blah. The simple fact of the matter is, is that, again, when everything you're doing isn't working, you need to shake it up a little bit. And I think that having your guards attack off the pick and roll is a fairly simple adjustment to make. Michigan, the entire offense is, you know, we're going to motion and we're going to cut and then we're going to go to, you know, the big man. And like there was one play where they ran one of their bigs off like a double screen, and then he went into a post-up. So they went out of their way to get him open on the block. And then instead of going to a quick hook shock, he literally stood there and let the defense reset itself. Then what the hell are you doing? And, and it just, it just... Livers has been out multiple games, so, so please spare me that. Well, without your best player, they've had plenty of opportunities to figure this stuff out. And as far as the end game shot goes, by the way, um, you know, the final sequence, they were down by two. They got the ball into Mike Smith, who came up and, you know, Smith actually had an open look at a triple to win the game and it rimmed out. Um, I don't have an issue with that. You know, some people may have an issue with going for the three to end the game. They had six seconds left. They had to get the ball all the way down court. Um, it would have been hard to get to the rim. And obviously you want to get to the rim if you can you know, send the game to overtime, but he had a good look for the win and he had just recently hit, you know, a big triple. So, you know, I have no issue with that. I think some people are going to point to that and be like, you should have gone for two. I have no issue with that. He had a good look for the win to send the team to the final four. I have no issue with that. So anyone who's looking at Mike Smith and saying, Hey, you should have done something different. I got no issue with that. Again, I really have no issue with what any of the players did. The players did every single thing that was asked of them. Okay. They played a man to man switching defense. They did every single thing that was asked of them. They had their hands up. They had their hands 
in Juzang's face. Like, truthfully, I'm not even mad at Michigan's defense. Like, they played a decent defensive game. They only gave up 51 points. They scored 49. Okay, the problem was the offense. And every single thing on the offense was, we're going to try to find a way to get the ball inside. And, you know, there was some outside shooting, but the the impetus of every possession was to try to get a, a two-point bucket off the glass from whatever bigs they had in the game at that time. And it just, it didn't change. And again, no guards attacking off the pick and roll, no shifting of the offensive focus. At times, maybe they shot a few too many threes in a row, but like, truthfully, I would have rather they kept shooting threes than continuing to try to throw to the bigs when they're doubling and triple teaming. And that's the thing is that UCLA adjusted to everything that was going on. UCLA did a better job. Again, double and triple teaming inside. They, I've gone over all of it. I, I don't, I'm just frustrated because Michigan is a good team with a lot of talent and a solid coaching staff. And this is a game where they coached stubbornly because there was like Smith attacked a couple times late. Um, and you know, I mean, <laughs> my mother texted me at one point, shout out to my mother who loves sports as much as I do really. And watches, you know, all the games I watch. And at one point, you know, asked me like, it's, you know, did, did someone put a glass lid on the rim? Cause we just couldn't make a layup. And, you know, some of those things occur, but the simple fact of the matter is that, when things aren't working, you've got to find a better way to do things. And at no point did Michigan have their guards attack off the pick and roll and try to hit corner shooters for threes. At no point was there an attempt to hit, you know, bigs rolling in the lane as they went to try to catch UCLA in a mismatch. Everything was so slow. Everything was so deliberate. Everything was so telegraphed that you were just able to figure out what was going on. And again, I'm not actually criticizing the execution of the players in this game because I actually don't think they did anything other than what they were told to do. This is a scenario in which the players literally ran the game plan as given to them. And this was just bad coaching. And, you know, it's early in Juwan Howard's coaching career, so you can understand that. And, you know, only better things are going to come. And, you know, one of the biggest things about Juwan Howard that I love, that I think we all know is true, is simply that, you know, Juwan Howard is going to have an ability to recruit for this organization better than John Beeline did. Because, you know, just truthfully, you know, what we learned about John Beeline during his NBA coaching stint when he wasn't, you know, protected by local media is that maybe that guy didn't have the greatest, you know, maybe he said some things he shouldn't have, or maybe he wasn't as good of a coach or who knows. I don't know. You know, I I respected John Beeline for a long time and the stuff that happened with the Cavs was really weird. And it's hard to know what that means. Um, You know, I don't really necessarily want to get into that. But the point is that what was pretty clear from John Beeline's time with the Cavs is that he definitely didn't have the ability to connect with young players anymore. Be that, you know, NBA or college players. You know, in the NBA, you're not the rock star. So, you know, the things you do matter more. But... Certainly some of the things he did with the Cavs indicated that he didn't know how to recruit, you know, the youth of today anymore. Like he probably was so far out of touch. Um, And, you know, it sort of tracks because 
it was one of those things where, you know, for years at Michigan, you know, the team would, they were like, they went to multiple national titles and didn't win. But, you know, the team sort of outperformed their talent. And, um, you know, it would be like, you know, wow, Michigan's so good. Why aren't they able to recruit better players? You'd think they'd be able to recruit better talent. And, you know, this coach keeps getting the most out of his players. You'd think they'd be able to get better players, blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, maybe some of what happened with the Cavs shows why Michigan was never able to recruit the best. And maybe that, you know, John Beeline wasn't necessarily the guy for that. And so I think that, you know, Jawan Howard is a guy who was recently in the NBA. So he understands, you know, the struggles of it. You know, he was once you know, a franchise player type who earned a $100 million contract and he ended his career as, you know, an end-of-bench role player who wasn't even playing. So he understands a little bit of everything. Not that he was necessarily ever good enough to be a franchise player, but he got the $100 million contract, so we got to mention those things, you know. Um, so he ex- has experienced life in the NBA, so he's going to be able to help guys who want to reach that level. So those top-tier prospects, um, you know, they might be more willing to listen to him. And just truthfully... The top prospects want a guy who has that, you know, pedigree, who has that um, knowledge of how to help them not only get to the next level, but survive at the next level. And so, you know, Juwan Howard really, I think, is someone who definitely can be a better recruiter for them and take the team to the next level. And, um, you know, if John Beeline had a racial issue on top of that, then that speaks for itself. And I don't even really need to go into that. And. You know, whether everything that happened with the Cavs was on purpose or a slip of the tongue, whatever all of that was, if you have a person like that and you've had a recruiting problem, maybe those things go hand in hand. I don't know. I, I don't know. It's it's whatever. And so I just think that fixing all of that bullshit and taking this organization to the next level, Juwan Howard is the perfect person to do that. I've thought that since he was hired. I still think it right now. But I still am frustrated with what happened today. And again, I'm not putting any of it on the players because I really think the players did exactly what they were asked to do. I don't think the players played bad defense. I don't think that they, I really don't think it was anything other than a poor coaching effort, a poor job of adjusting. And it's disappointing because when I was a kid, you know, Michigan was, you know, a really good team that was constantly competing for things, titles and all these things. And now it's reaching a point where Michigan's a bit of a punchline. That's what the football team has been for a very long time. And the Harbaugh thing was supposed to change it. And it didn't. <laughs> and so, you know, I'm I'm looking at Juwan Howard because Michigan really has a chance now to be a truly great sports school again. We've got a really good basketball coach. We don't have a good football coach, but his name carries weight and maybe one day he'll land a good recruiting class somehow. There's a real chance for this school to, you know, sort of matter on the national scene again, because just truthfully, no one cares about Michigan anymore in national sports. We've, you know, it's it's a punchline thing. And I, I've said it before. I care about, University of Michigan and the University of Arizona, those are the college sports teams that I've chosen to care about as a person who didn't go to college. So you can sit here and lambast me for that all you want, but nonetheless, not didn't go to college, didn't complete college. That, well, anyway. So, 
it's frustrating to watch. And I still think that Michigan is in the right hands and I still think the majority of everything will be fine, but I still watch a game like this and I'm just like, damn it. They're just basic tweaks that win this game. And not only that, but allow me to bitch for a moment about free throws. I am really tired of watching terrible free throw shooters shoot these bizarre motions where they put their hand straight up and then just use one hand to fling the ball straight forward at the hoop or Dwight Howard standing three feet behind the line. Why will no one just shoot the ball underhanded? Like, seriously, like you're so worried about looking cool that you won't do the one thing that could make your free throws easier to make. The simple fact of the matter is that the underhanded throwing motion lobs the ball in a way that it lands softly on the rim and it's more likely to go in. And it's just easier to get the arc when you have two hands and you just basically point it right at the glass. Like, it's it's honestly much easier. And the simple fact of the matter is, is that dudes will, like, risk their contracts. Like, you're going to really tell me that Andre Drummond would shoot worse? Like, seriously, think about this for a moment. Dudes have literally, like, cost themselves NBA contracts and careers because they won't shoot underhanded because they don't want to look cool. You might tell me that, well, there's no statistical proof. Dwight Howard can't shoot a fucking free throw, man. So you're going to really tell me that lobbing the ball softly isn't going to make it more likely, especially when, by the way, one of the best free throw shooters of all time did that shit. Big men used to do it all the time. And for whatever reason, somehow now it's viewed as like weird and so this shit is fucking stupid. And the image stuff in, in the NBA and in basketball in general has gotten to a point where guys won't actually do things that are worthwhile because they think whatever. Like there was like a time where guys would like not shoot the ball off the glass because it was considered like old school or whatever. That shit's fucking stupid, man. So I just want to be very clear about that. And watching Michigan break free throw after free throw after free throw. No one will shoot underhanded. You lost the game by two fucking points. You missed layups and free throws. Like if I'm gonna if I'm gonna look at the players for anything, I'm gonna be like, just choose the easy way to shoot free throws. And by the way, if you think I'm lying, go fucking go to your hoop. Go to your hoop. Go to your hoop in the driveway and shoot ten fucking free throws overhand and shoot ten underhand and tell me the fucking results. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But do that shit especially if you can't shoot and tell me the difference. Maybe you're Mr. Steve Nash at the line. Whatever, fine. But if you can't fucking shoot, go shoot that shit underhanded and tell me it's not easier. And dudes won't do it because it doesn't look cool. And shit like that just cost Michigan this game. Basic shit cost Michigan this game. And I'm annoyed by it. I'll be honest. I'm annoyed. Overall, I like what Michigan is doing, you know. They were a bigger team, so they wanted to play inside through the bigs and just kind of overpower UCLA. I get it. Um, you know, they want to be, you know, doing a good job of working inside out and trying to generate open triples from the big men. You know, I understand those things. Um, you know, again, they play a switchable defense where everyone honestly does a good job of, you know, recovering. And, you know, like Michigan didn't play bad defense in this game again. He gave him 51 points. It wasn't bad defense. It was bad offense. Um, and I see everything they're trying to do. I like what they're trying to do. And, 
you know, over time, I can see this thing sort of becoming a machine. I, I understand the strategy. Um, and I support the strategy, truthfully. But I think that in tournament games, in the biggest of the biggest moments, you need to be able to change what you want to do in order to match what needs to be done. Does that make sense? Like, we look at Mike Budenholzer and we judge him and we say, you know, you're saying that Giannis plus threes will win, you know, the championship, essentially, statistically. Just, you know, we're going to make so many threes that you can't make as many threes and Giannis is going to dunk so much that you can and blah, you know. And it's been proven wrong multiple times. And I just feel like Michigan, again, deployed that same strategy today. It's like, we're going to do what we're going to do. You're not going to convince us that we need to change what we're going to do because we believe that over a 40-minute game, our strategy will win out. And that simply wasn't proven. And when you add missed free throws on top of it, like, you know, again, it was the basics. You've got to double the best player. You've got to be able to have at least a couple possessions where the guard attacks on the pick and roll. You've got to make your damn free throws. You've got to do the basic things. And... They fucked up the basics tonight and they lost. And, you know, if Juzang hadn't had an incredible game, they wouldn't have, the UCLA wouldn't have won. But that's the point. When a guy is playing out of his, and by the way, credit to Juzang. Let's like, let's be really clear. That dude was balling. Okay. That dude was balling from everywhere. So let's not, let, let me be very clear. I want to be very clear. That dude deserves all the credit. This is not a scenario in which I'm trying to say that. UCLA doesn't deserve to win off the, you know, the off their performance or that this dude isn't that good. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that this dude was balling out of control. And you need to adjust to that because this dude is balling out of control. When Steph Curry is hitting every shot, you don't just let him continue to do that. You trap him. You try to change it. And it just felt like Michigan didn't adjust. It felt like Michigan said, we're going to. We're going to figure it out over a 40. Like, in their defense, like, I understand the thought process. Because if Mike Smith makes the triple at the end of the game, I'm sitting here like, wow, Michigan held on with their defense and they did just enough on offense and credit to blah, blah, blah. You know, it's that close sometimes. But the simple fact of the matter is that they shouldn't have even been in that situation. This should have been a game that Michigan ran away with. This should have been, like, a double-digit victory, truthfully. Because... UCLA literally had very, like, two, three players giving, like, all of their offense. And Michigan had so many layups toward the end. They missed so many. And, you know, there's a certain point where if you're getting doubled every time you're on the block and you're bricking every layup, again, run something else. And so, again, I don't fault the players because I really feel like the players were running everything that they were told to run. And I just think that this is going to be something that Jawan Howard looks back on and says, fuck, I messed this one up. This is going to be a scenario in which he looks back and says, I could have done better here. And you know what? That always happens, right? Again, it's early in his coaching career. So it's hard to bag on him too much. But this one sucks because this is going to be the title that got away. I know that Gonzaga is sitting there. I understand that. But like people are sort of talking about Gonzaga like there haven't been other Gonzaga teams that didn't get it done. Like, you know, they're a very good school. When they win multiple titles like Kentucky or Duke or, you know, whatever, then we can talk about them. But people sort of talk about them like they're infallible. I understand all that. There was still a championship. You were just a couple of wins away from from something truly great. And maybe 
you know, without Isaiah Livers, it was never going to happen. Maybe with Livers, you know, I don't know. I, I understand all those things. But the simple fact of the matter is, is that you were a number one seed that lost to an 11 seed by two points. You bricked a boatload of free throws. You missed a boatload of layups. And you made no adjustments on defense and minimal adjustments on offense. Like, this is a game. This is one. This is on Michigan. Like, as again, as good as Juzang was, like, uh, you know, Howard was outcoached, fine. But this is a game that they should have won. And so I'm just, I'm going to be frustrated with this one for a long time. This reminds me a lot of Michigan, excuse me, of Arizona losing to Xavier a couple years ago um, when Sean Miller lost to his old protege. And, you know, it was essentially, it was when DeAndre Ayton was playing at Arizona and he was playing power forward and the Arizona had Dusan Ristich playing center and Ristich had literally no athletic ability at all. He had no lateral quickness. He had nothing. And he was allowing layup after layup after layup. And Xavier just attacked him every single possession and scored every possession. But Ristich was big, so he was also hitting layups on the other end. So Sean Miller just made no changes. And he just let it continue over and over. He didn't put Aiton at center at all. He kept having Aiton playing next to Ristich. And Xavier ran right by Ristich. And they won the game. And they knocked Arizona out. And it was fucking pathetic. And I was bitching so much at my nephew that he didn't text me back for like two weeks because he was sick of hearing me talk about it. That's how fucking obnoxious that game was. And and by the way, get Sean Miller the fuck out of Arizona. Let You know what? Let's talk about that for a minute. I, I, I'm tired of this dude. I don't want him at the school anymore. Okay? I don't know what... I don't know what he's done. I don't know what allegations... But I don't even... He's a bad coach. He used to be a decent recruiter, and he's not anymore. And whether or not he was ever a good recruiter, I mean, it seems like his reputation is tarnished at this point regardless. And whether or not he's done anything wrong, I've never liked the dude, the way he coaches. I get tired of watching him run up and down the sidelines and scream at referees and sweat like a psychopath because he's just so sweaty from the murder that day. I just, I don't like Sean Miller. I don't like the way he coaches. I don't like anything about him, and I want him out. I, I, I'm not even the whole all of the allegations. I don't even want. I'm not even trying to talk about the bullshit. Whatever. I don't even want to. Whatever. He's a bad coach. Okay. Again, maybe he's been a decent recruiter, and maybe the recruiting he did. At previous schools that were so small that never had talent, suddenly an influx of talent allows them to win more games than they should. And, you know, the multiple times that he's been put on a stage to actually coach Arizona to a win, he's failed. He's failed in multiple Elite Eights with, you know, Arizona against Wisconsin, which is the whole Frank Kaminsky thing. And, and, you know, I understand the whole, well, you went to -to back-to-back Elite Eight. So fucking what, man? Not one Final Four to lose to the same time twice in a row. And that's like the peak of your coaching career, by the way. We were a former national champion. We've been to multiple Final Fours. We've been to multiple national title games. And I'm supposed to sit here and be like, oh, the Elite Eight, great. Like, I'm not fucking impressed with that. I'm especially not impressed with that when you failed to the same team two times in a row for the same reasons. And then when you got out coached by your own former assistant with a team with significantly less talent 
because I watched you realize that your center couldn't play, but you still didn't do anything about it. Fuck this dude, man. Fuck this dude. I'm sick of him. I want him out. Arizona isn't even good anymore. The team is whatever. They haven't been... Like, they were even lucky to get Aiden. And Miller was such a horrible coach for Aiden for that year that I feel like it stunted his NBA growth. So just fucking get rid of this guy. Just get rid of him. Be done with him. Fucking, I don't... I know that U of A doesn't have the money to pay whatever. Just pay an assistant to be a head coach for... Like, I get rid of this guy. I don't want him on the school anymore. I, I don't care about any of... I think he's a terrible coach. That's it. I think Juwan Howard is a great coach. And I think that he's going to learn from this. And I really hope he does. But look, I think it's just true that the best coaches of all time make the big adjustments during the game. I expect Juwan Howard to be maybe the best Michigan coach of all time. And I think that next year the adjustments will be there. A little more depth would help. Michigan's playing with such a short bench. And you always play with a short bench in the tournament. But um, not having... Much depth at all certainly hurts. There's there's a lot to all of this. I understand all that. But this is just a disappointing loss. Because two possessions go differently and you win. Two possessions, one possession and some free throws go differently and you win. And maybe the team wasn't necessarily good enough to take it to the next level and win the championship. But, you know, I, I guess if you can't beat UCLA, you're probably not going to win the tie. I understand that. But I really think that, again, have your point guards attack a little bit off the pick and roll. Do, you know, have a little bit more floater action in the lane. Have a little bit more, let's hit corner shooters. Just just make just a little bit here and there. And again, I know that they have limited practice time and all that. But before a game like this, I really feel like you should be inputting one really good pick and roll attack play and they just didn't have it and maybe that's just my opinion maybe i look at basketball differently let's remember that juan howard is is a big man he was the center so it's natural for him to want to play through his bigs i understand that and i'm not even i'm not even faulting him for that the bigs are the best players on this team at this point i understand that but you still got to be able to adjust right you've got to be able to if i'm going to play inside i've got to have guys shifting around at the perimeter to give easy outlet passes to my bigs because at a certain point UCLA is doubling and tripling everyone on the block and they were just essentially being like we're going to we're going to let you shoot from the outside if you can get the ball out cuz we don't think you can get the ball out cuz we're doubling both your bigs on the block and they were just right because Michigan wasn't capable of passing out of those because they weren't prepared for it and there was one sequence where uh, I, I I off the top of my head I can't remember who it was got double on the block and threw it out to the guard, and one player ran off the center, and they whipped it right back into him. And it was just like every single thing they wanted to do was play through the center, and it didn't matter how those things were going. They were going to fucking do it come hell or high water. And that's the Bill Belichick thing, right? I'm going to do my thing, and I'm going to win because it's my thing. It's the Bill Belichick, Mike Budenholzer thing. It drives me nuts, and I just hope that... Juwan Howard gets it out of his system. I hope that he saw how it cost him this game. And I hope that next season, Michigan approaches every tournament game like, how can we tweak to get to the next level? Because this team should be going to the fucking Final Four right now. This should absolutely fucking be a Final Four season, no question. I still think this team should have won a title, but absolutely no fucking question. 
This is the Final Four season, and I'm frustrated with Juwan Howard. And if Juwan Howard heard me say all this, he'd slap the shit out of me, and I'd be like, good. Hopefully that means you're angry and ready for next season. So slap the shit out of me, Juwan Howard. Go for it. Smack the shit out of me. Make me look like a bitch. Knock me on the fucking floor because you recognize what went wrong and you want to punch me the fuck out. Go for it. Great. That's a weird ending to the Blood Doctor show, but that's the ending. And I'm not erasing it and I'm not changing it because that's what it fucking is. It's a weird fucking ending to a weird fucking day and a weird fucking season and a weird fucking gear in the middle of a weird fucking pandemic. <sighs> yeah. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm unhappy about this one. But peace to you and yours. Love all of those around you. Be close. You know what? Let's take this negativity and let's spread some positivity on top of it. Tomorrow, whatever tomorrow is, you won't listen to this podcast the second I put it out. But there will be a tomorrow in your life tomorrow do something nice for someone else i'll do it too so this is not me asking you to do something that i wouldn't do do something nice for someone else tomorrow just just one thing whether or not they've done something nice for you lately is not the point let's positively affect the world because truthfully man i'm feeling really negative right now i'm really upset about what happened and i understand it's a basketball game and all that but i still feel sad and I feel negative energy, and I want to put positive energy to the world. So I'm going to do one really nice thing. You know what? I'm going to do one nice thing for two people tomorrow. I'm challenging you to do one nice thing for one person. And you won't even tell me about it, so it doesn't matter, and I can't prove whether or not you did do it, but I'm still making that challenge. Let's make 2021 a much better year than 2020. So far, I think it is. We'll see. Peace.